having all this headcount on, the, on their balance sheet is just a huge risk. And if hiring people on a freelance basis is possible at a reasonable price, it makes a lot of sense. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Tyler Castleberg. Tyler is the founder of Bullpen, an online marketplace for freelancers in real estate. They help their clients find and vet people who can help investors do miscellaneous jobs like evaluating a deal or writing offering packages. With his business, investors will be able to focus on finding the deals and raising the money without worrying about having a large overhead for miscellaneous tasks. In this episode, he'll talk about how his business works and how he managed to create his business even when the odds were against him. By the way, we recorded this episode with our phones, so while the sound quality might not be good, the content is great. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the show and leave a review. We release episodes every Wednesday and Sunday and release the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com. Enjoy! I'm Tyler Castleberg, and I'm the founder of Bullpen. It is an online marketplace of a number of freelancers in real estate. And I like to sort of think of it as a upwork of real estate. And there's two sort of primary differences, though. The first one is that our platform is everything real estate. There isn't any other industries on there. And that effectively, it allows us to have a, a more kind of like tailored experience for the users. The other difference is, is that our actual freelancers are all pre-interviewed. And so our platform is this like hybrid of high-quality freelancers and a number of employers in real estate. And it has made for a super interesting sort of community. Interesting. So can you go over that one more time? Basically, you started this online marketplace called Bullpen. And you just have a bunch of freelancers and underwriters here working for other real estate investors? Or what kind of people are you connecting together? Sure. There are two sort of user types here, right? The, the first one are the freelancers, and the other are our employers. I'll start on the freelancer side. Our freelancers are a big, like, hodgepodge of individuals. There is around, like, 30 of them at the moment. They sort of range anywhere from a person who has like two years of experience, is, is out of undergrad, has a bunch of like brokerage experience as an analyst who's been doing a lot of underwriting, to or more like high-priced ones who have over like 10 years of like private equity hands-on experience, have done like larger deals, have done a number of like hybrid underwriting deals, which include hospitality, apartments, a lot of office, a lot of retail, a lot of industrial, and all that kind of stuff. On our employer side of town, you have a big like range as well. Our employers, we have around 80 users right now. And on our employer side, it ranges from a like, hobbyist investor off like bigger pockets who's like, hey, I have 20 units that I'm underwriting in like Houston, Texas. And I'm just not sure how to pull together a real underwriting model. Our more like larger clients, honestly, are, are more like high volume clients. You have a lot of like pro investors, and these investors are doing deals in places like San Francisco that are over like two billion dollars. On our more like hobbyist investors, our users are choosing us to effectively help offset a gap in overall knowledge. 
on our more institutional employers, they see us as a really interesting sort of value play. As you know, in real estate, our business is ultra-transactional and has ups and downs. And in a transactional business like ours, you have like periods of time in which you have like 20 deals, and there are periods of time in which you have hardly any opportunities. And if you have like headcount on, on your balance sheet, it ends up adding a whole lot of like risk on a business. So our, our community is a place in which employers are finding like high-quality people on a project basis. It makes a lot of sense for our more like hobbyists who do like two deals a year or our much like larger investor clients who do 20 deals a year. It just depends. Okay, cool. Do you have a real estate background yourself? How did you decide to get into the business? Interesting question. So I always had aspirations of like owning real estate. And I'll tell you the, the entire story. I had done like engineering in undergrad, and I had told myself I was interested in a more like Wall Street sort of job. And I had all this experience. I was doing a bunch of like fixed income investing at the university as a part of a team and applied all over Wall Street, and I was turned down by everybody. How it would sort of go down is I'd walk into an interview, and I'd be super nervous, and I'd be tripping over words like crazy into an extent in which it was impossible to understand anything I was saying. So I chased after that a whole lot, ended up falling on my face effectively, and ended up at GE in a finance kind of training program. Awesome experience over those like two years at GE. However, it kind of hit me that I'm not interested in being a little sort of cog in, in a huge organization. I was still hungry after Wall Street, and I ended up applying all over the place again, and I interviewed a bunch of places, and I got an offer in SF. I moved to San Francisco in July of 2015, and I worked in a real sort of banking role for two years, a little under two years. As I was doing that, I think it, it sort of like hit me. I had been like chasing after high paychecks in a career uh, forever, and that the true like happiness I was sort of like seeking, it was in having control over like how I spent my time. So I left, and I told myself, I'd invest in real estate, and I raised a bunch of money, and I was purchasing properties, following in uh, the shoes of a number of those like, syndicators out there right now who are, are doing these huge like, syndications and are raising all this money out of a, a number of like, passive investors and are, and are investing in these projects. And as I was doing that, I, I kind of like, tripped over a really interesting opportunity. I pulled together a bunch of like offering packages. I had run a whole bunch of like numbers. I sent it out to everybody. And I um, heard back out of a few like larger investors I had chatted with, hey, I'm not interested in this investment opportunity. However, I'm super interested in how you underwrite and how you do offering packages. So he asked how much would it be if you like hired me on a project or two. And I told him a crazy number. I wasn't interested in doing any like, analyst work anymore. I was kind of burnt out after all the banking days. And um, he said yes. And I was like, wow, all right. You know, I guess if he needs it at this price, I would do it. So hopped in on that. And then he, he ended up like telling a few like buddies that he's been working with how I was doing. And I ended up like passed around to a few other investors and it ended up kind of kind of like taking off into which I was operating a little consulting company on my own. I had hired a few analysts off like Upwork and I was I was overseeing all their work and um 
I was sort of quarterbacking all these projects. It wasn't until like January of this year that kind of hit me. If I were to like hire people, I was making enough in which I could like hire people on a little income and equity in our business. And so I hired two people, a salesperson and an analyst. The salesperson was doing all the sales calls, which I always had a hard time with. The idea of a person who like trips over words and speech impediment is on the phone and doing all the cold calling isn't any fun. Uh, but then like, two, I was I was like super interested in actually sort of building this as a like business in, in place of you know uh, a more I was like freelancing and had some help doing it. And so if you fast forward four-ish months. Our business had like taken off, had over over like 10x in the past year, and around like April of this year, I was looking around, and I saw that I have I have all all these like freelancers as analysts had our consulting price and had all these like leads on our sales end of the business, and I had been kind of like tripping over, you know, I have all these like people on a freelance basis, and our actual like volume of work. It was up and down. That's how it is in real estate. And kind of like hit me at that time. I have like two options in this business. Or a lot, a lot like easier, easier, easier sort of route is I operate as as a consulting business. I have these like 20 clients that like love us and and are okay with paying our prices. And I have a few like helpers. And over time, it'll it'll expand over time as we as we help with underwriting and do other forms of like diligence. Or I could take a big risk. And it would be to pretty much like pivot our business holistically into the online marketplace of freelancers. And that's what we did. And it has been the absolute like hardest thing I've ever done and honestly the most incredible thing I've ever pulled off. Our clients have five X in the past of three months, which has been just overly like, humbling. As people have been like reaching out and you know say things like, "Hey, I've been like needing a way of hiring people, and I'm not able to, and now I am." You know, and then our freelancers. I started with with like three to four of them, and at the moment we have over 20 or over 30. I gotta look. That's a good thing to know. And our our actually platform online will be launching here. Well, it launched and it's like beta mode over the weekend. And it'll go like live out to all the public on August 5th. And um, I'm super excited. Yeah, that's a very interesting story and a very cool journey that you had. You were in school, studied engineering, but you never wanted to be an engineer. Sounds familiar. No. That's, that's my story too. Right? No, that's I chose engineering out of high school because you, out of high school, you're good at math and science. You say, oh, go be an engineer. But you're, exactly. eight, you're 18 years old, right? 17 because you applied at the beginning of high school, uh, senior year. So you don't know what you're doing. You go through all that stuff, you get your first job, and you said you worked at GE, but you were never an engineer at GE, right? So I was in a more kind of corporate accounting role at GE. Right. So you were already in finance right from the get-go. But then you realized corporate life wasn't for you. You know, same with me. You probably saw, like, man, I don't want to spend my whole life like this. You see your coworkers who are, like, 30 years old, and you're like, dang, that's going to be me if I don't do anything. You took a risk. Now, when you started investing in real estate, remind me again? you were trying to get into syndication and that's how you got connected with these syndicators or how did you start talking to them and like looking at their deals? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So it's, it's actually a part of my business kind of journey I consider to be our, our first failure. 
I syndicated a deal in Virginia, and I got in touch with all these syndicators through things uh, used like bigger pockets. And I was that guy who had a lot of knowledge on like underwriting, how to do like analytics. And I would just hop on there and I would help answer questions for people, and ended up like creating a lot of interesting introductions over time. I see. So you tried to syndicate a deal, but it didn't go through. But meanwhile, it like, did go through. Oh, it did go through. Yeah, I know. It, it ended up happening. A reason I call it a, a failure is that I had these, these aspirations of raising all this money and of doing all these deals, and it sort of like hit me that it isn't as easy as that. And it also kind of hit me that there's a difference in entrepreneurship in building a business and acting as a syndicator. A syndicator is a more sort of capital partner and are making investments in, in properties like with other people. It's an awesome business. It works incredibly. However, as I was doing that, I was realizing, man, I, I truly enjoy entrepreneurship in the other sense of like building out an a idea out of nothing. And I think the, the sort of like difference is, is how you approach a thing like competition. I try and enter in the markets in which I don't have any competition. Our, our freelance marketplace is the only one in real estate. Our, as an investor, I was competing against like hundreds of people who were chasing after all the same properties. And I just kind of figured out, hey, you know, I could do this and over time I could build a business or I could like fold up the shop and I could focus on solving other problems. I feel similar. Like, I mean, there were times where I thought, man, flipping homes, that's what I do, right? I flip homes and it makes a lot of profit, right? If it does, if it goes well. And I was thinking too, man, but when I flip the home, all I'm doing is making profit. It's kind of like a movie I saw, like, you know, Pretty Woman, right? In Pretty Woman, Richard Gere, he flips corporations. He's like, man, he doesn't do anything. There's no, nothing that's being built. He's just making money. And so I felt it the same way too. I totally understand when you're creating a business from scratch, you are like creating something from the ground up, something that you're very passionate about too, and you're solving a real problem that people need, right? So, I mean, I, you know, I yeah, get that. And that's, and that's exactly it. Exactly. Okay, cool. So let's talk more about your company, Bullpen. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit more confused. Is this service mostly for multi-family type investors who need that specific underwriting or who is your ideal client? All commercial real estate. So I'll tell you like where we are today and then, and then I'll tell you our vision after the future. Sure. At the moment today, our freelancers like have, are all like analysts and have experience in all, all sectors of real estate. That includes apartments, multifamily. It includes office and retail. It includes like hospitality. It includes anything, anything with like low-income housing or historic projects and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Today, it's a marketplace of a number of like analysts. However, if I look out our, our next like year, the actual like analytics and like underwriting and making like offering packages is really around like 10% to about 20% of investors like need in their actual business. Investors also need um, a number of like, property accountants. They also need IR people. You know, they also need asset managers. You know, there's, there's a whole bunch of roles in our industry that are hard to 
higher at the moment on a real on a there are a whole lot of actual jobs in this industry in which hiring on a freelance basis is almost impossible right now. And I want to make that possible. I see. So typically what they're doing is they have an in house person doing all that stuff for them. Either that or they like hodgepodge a mixture of things like, things like consultants. A lot of our larger clients, our actually largest client at the moment is a real like publicly traded company. I mean, they they have all the money in the world, and a lot of their like analysts have been like leaving and and have had a lot of like turnover kind of recently. And the firms like leadership is understanding how transactional our our business is, and is also seeing that our sort of bull like run here is almost over, and so. Having all this headcount on the on their balance sheet is just a huge risk. And if hiring people on a freelance basis is possible at a reasonable price, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's for sure. And so is the way that you guys are getting paid kind of like the same as Upwork, where you're just getting a cut of the, I don't even call it sale, but a cut of the proceeds that you would give to that freelancer? Or do you charge like a subscription fee yeah, to so use your services? Our, our revenue model is a percentage of all the transactions at the moment, and it's it's a percentage on analyst fee. It can be it can be an hourly rate, it can be a fixed price, or on top of that, rather, on our employer side, there's a little processing fee that is added on, which helps all the payment processing costs and and, and all that stuff. Um, so we, however, overall. It's pretty much identical to how companies are charging, you know, a la like Upwork and Fiverr and other competitors in the overall sort of freelance space. It's a percentage of, of revenues. So when you decided, I'm going to create this business, what were your steps to actually making this a reality? Surely, that's a really interesting question. If you had asked me a year ago how our business like would be in a year, I don't think I could have like told you this. I think it started as easy as I see a problem and I I can like hop in and I can fix it on a freelance basis. And then as we kept like opening doors and trying out some various things, a lot of opportunities end up end up opening up. And I think that as an entrepreneur, it's it's, it's important to have a lot of comfort in the pivot. And I think like pivoting a business is a huge, huge part of entrepreneurship. And I think at our stage of having under five full-time employees, a pivot is a big competitive advantage over a lot of larger companies who any, you know, any change has a large approval process and, and that kind of stuff. I don't think that I have everything all planned out. I'm just a opportunist as an entrepreneur. And are you a one-man show, or do you have people on your team helping you, especially with the development side, you know, creating your website and whatnot? Oh, so we have a, a full team. There's four people who are working with us on a full-time basis, and there are a number of others on a freelance basis or on a contract basis. Our team is all over the country, though. So I'm an SF. Head of operations is out of NYC. Our engineer with the platform is out of India, and our um, head of marketing is out of Atlanta. And then on top of that, our team has a number of, of interns, and all of them are in San Francisco. 
how did you recruit your team and how are you financing the project? Awesome question. And so the hardest part of being an entrepreneur is a team building. And how I've done it has been through a number of like trial and errors. And so the first person I hired, it was a friend of a, a freelancer. The second person, I posted a job on a bigger pocket and I got a response. Other people have been over like LinkedIn or forums like AngelList. How we hire people though is, is a really, really interesting question. All of our hires are on the contract for the first six weeks on our company and there isn't any conversation around things like equity or any anything like long term. And it's a tryout period. It's like to see if how we work in meshes, if we click up the team and that sort of stuff. How I've been like paying for all this, our company has been profitable since our first day. And you know, it's at a point in which I can afford to like hire people to have a real like marketing budget and that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's amazing. I think you're the first person that I talked to who is doing something to change the real estate industry. That is a very adequate industry. And that is actually profitable day one. So kudos to you on that. It's hard to, <laughs> hard to have. <laughs> you know what's interesting in SF is I've been approached a number of times out of a number of like VCs. And I feel like VCs as a little like jetpack. And if everything is like pointed all right, and as a CEO, I've got our direction like hammered out, and everything's like ready, you know, is already to go. And I, um, I take like VC money. It can be like awesome to help your business like take off. The downside is if you're like pointed in a sort of like wonky direction, or if your like visibility in the future isn't all the way, all the way clear, you know. If you take like DC money, it can be like deadly on your business at that point. And so I prefer to see how far I can build this ahead of, of any DC money and then like toy with that in the future if it makes sense. And what do you think is next for you guys? What's next for your company? That's an interesting question. I've been focused on our platform like launch. As we do that, it'll end up like opening up a lot of opportunities to add a lot of users ultra fast. If we look at our freelancers on the platform, it'll be either um, accountants or asset managers, some other kind of real estate team members. Essentially, you're going to open up your marketplace to have different types of vendors who can work on a freelance basis. Yes, exactly. Okay, sounds good. Now, what are some of your biggest challenges for your business or in your own personal life? That's a really awesome question. Our challenges at the moment are around like team building and how do we put a team in the place to help like build this thing really fast? I think I would put that as a more like CEO problem in which in which I'm trying to figure out how to be a CEO. And I think like humbly, I've learned like so much in the past in the past like six months and, and I know that in the next like six months I'll learn absolute heinous amount as we launch this platform. Problems. That's our primary problem right now. So like getting more team members to work with your company, that's your biggest problem, finding the right people to work with you? It isn't necessarily a freelancers have been pretty like easy to find if we look on you know our marketing channels. Yeah, it's our, our full time team. How do you like build a team in a place like San Francisco 
if I'm not offering, you know, all the huge like salaries of these like tech companies, you know, that's a that's a huge challenge. So I guess if you can wave a magic wand, what would be like a cure all for your problem? Just being able to hire people at a very low price. I mean, no, no, no. I don't. Uh, I don't think like cheap cheap labor is is like how we do this. You know what? I think our team is is like pivoting as we need to right now. And I think that as as we get a bit like larger, like open up all the roles that, that our team needs. That's our interesting problem is that I know a like head of marketing is important, head of sales is important, a head of engineering is important, head of like UI is important, like how all the user interfaces are. You know, I have all these roles that are huge, huge like needs. And I think the hard part is how do we like hire people in these like hybrid roles who can do like two things and not and not only one. You know what's also an interesting problem is attention. How do we capture attention on the platform and like the attention of everyone knowing our platform exists? I think like branding is huge like play here, and I think how we build a brand in a community over time it'll be an indicator of our success or failure. I think that's very true. And I think almost every single company has the exact same problem. But for your case, you have some ideal models. Like you have Upwork, you have Fiverr, right? Those two are similar. We're connecting an end user to freelancer. What were they using to promote? Even like online jobs at PH, they're the Filipino version of Upwork. How are they getting people to know about them? And why are they getting clients to come check them out? Why are freelancers coming on their site in the first place? Have you thought about that? What are you going to do to do more branding to get more people to know about your your services? Mm -hmm. I have. Our big differentiators are, again, our platform is only for real estate people. And all the freelancers are going to be interviewed. Um, And I think the huge one of those on branding is on the real estate side. Because here's the thing. Upwork is outstanding, has its weaknesses. Overall, it, it like proves an overall sort of marketplace like model, you know, that it is it is like viable to build a freelancer marketplace. I think our next like evolution of that is our business of Fulton as a a more industry specific, you know, option you know, on how to get your freelancers. And I truly, truly, truly think it's if we can like solve a problem for like real estate and have a really tailored answer that is for like real estate, I think it'll open up a lot of doors. Yeah, I think you're definitely in a really nice niche. Real estate has its need for sure. And also you're providing a service that is above average in terms of quality, right? Like any Joe Schmo can draw something or draw a logo on Fiverr, right? But who can analyze deals? They have to have a certain level of education, knowledge, and understanding of the product. You're providing a really great service for these people. But before we end the show today, so we're going to recap real quick. So you're Tyler, CEO of bullpenre.com, which is you know, a marketplace for real estate investors to go and connect with freelancers who can help do like analysis and underwriting. And on the client side, it would be some sort of maybe real estate syndicator or someone in charge of a project who doesn't want to have their own like in-house team. They want to have freelancers project out. And we also talked about how when building a company, you know, team building is probably the most challenging part. Branding is very important as well. How do you, how do, you do branding so that more people know about your business? And you know, if you want to start a business, basically find a problem, solve it. Hopefully you could be like you where you're profitable day one so that you're able to 
manage all of your operations without struggling and trying to get VC money even though you may not need it. Because like you said, you think VC money is like a jetpack. You don't know where you're going. You're just going to end up in the water. How can people get in contact with you? You can reach us at bullpenre.com. All right, Tyler. Thank you so much for your time. And let us know about your online marketplace that connects commercial real estate investors with freelancers and sharing the story of how you decided to get into the business and your journey of entrepreneurship. Hey, thank you so much, Sean. I appreciate your time and allowing us on the show today. Here are some of the key takeaways from this episode. If you want to start a business, find a problem first and then find a solution. You don't want a lot of overhead in your payroll, so hire out tasks on a case-by-case basis. Don't let your challenges hold you back. If you want to do something, you can get it done. In the worst case, you can always hire people who can do things better than you can. I hope you all learned a lot. You can find the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Tan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.